Hi, my name's Kim Cole, and I'm your host of Real 510. Our podcast is dedicated to the stories of real buyers and real sellers in the East Bay residential housing environment in Northern California. Finding a solid investment to grow one half to several million dollars is a strategic and calculative exercise of wisdom and intuition. Now mix in the emotional meaning of home, your safety, your shelter, your memories. The task is daunting. The influences are great and there's no proven instruction manual. Join us as we explore the process, the challenges, and the triumphs of those who have successfully navigated the storm. Welcome to Real 510. I'm here today with John Fast. I was introduced to John Fast by John himself, who talks fast, he moves fast, he thinks fast, and he introduced himself as John Fast. My email is Juan Rapido. So, <laughs> That's right. so here I sit today with John Fast, who um, basically bought a home in 24 hours. And John, tell us a little bit. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, and tell us a little bit about being so fast, being John Fast. That's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> my name often has defined me. I do a lot of things fast. I don't know whether one followed the other. Was it a chicken and egg? Is it because, am I fast because my last name is fast? Is this an expectation, John? Is there an expectation <laughs> that I should be fast? Or is it just happenstance? Um, but I do typically talk quickly, so I'm going to try to talk slower for our little conversation today so that we can understand everything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never had problems with your enunciation. Okay. I understand, but I just like how fast you think and do things. So a uh, little background to John and I met um, through an introduction and within seconds, I think of meeting you, you said, I want to buy a house. I think, I think this is one I want to buy. Yeah. So we met at this property and seriously, 24 hours later, you were buying a home. What led up to that? Because this is your first personal residence, right? Yeah, it is. It's the, no, it's my second. It's my second personal okay. residence. Yeah. I had one in a previous life when I was married um, in San Francisco and that ended, the marriage ended and the home yeah. <laughs> ownership ended as well. Uh, I was introduced to you through someone in the building. Um, and should I say who that person is? Oh, absolutely. So actually, she's also fast. Yeah, she's yeah. also fast. My sister. So in my sister's building in Jacqueline and Square, a unit became available that is right next to hers. And I have been having a lot of landlord trouble in San Francisco. And it was very attractive to me to, one, I've also been quite tired of San Francisco, what's happened to it, how it's changed. And it's not the place I moved to 27 years ago. So I... I was very excited by the idea of moving not only to Oakland, but literally next door to my sister. Well, that deal kind of got a little weird. And in my search of, in, but exploring that, I did get pre-qualified. And I started to look at comps around Oakland and see that there were other places around. And when the deal started going hinky on the property next to my sister, yeah. I found another property that was very intriguing. And... Uh, I reached out to the, the listing broker. I don't think they took me seriously because I was texting her at nine o'clock on a Sunday night and they were taking bids at Tuesday at 12. 
But then I got your name, Kim, and I um, reached out on Monday about, I don't know, Monday morning and said, hey, can you get me into this property? I think I'm really interested in it. Yeah. And you got me in at four o'clock that afternoon. You know, it's so interesting. So I'm glad that I was almost as fast as you, but... Um, <laughs> you were fast, yes. <laughs> I, um, but um, what's, what's interesting to me is what you were looking at, at in the Ellington, which is a high-rise in Jack London Square, is, is a very, um, it's a full-service luxury high-rise building, the closest thing that we have to kind of a New York high-rise in Oakland. And where you bought was something entirely different. And not only the type of building and the type of apartments, but also the type of neighborhood and services. Um, you you went like kind of night and day. Like how did that happen so fast? Well, it's interesting because I think one of the reasons I was attracted to the Ellington was one of the primary reasons is I, one, I think the neighborhood's beautiful yes. and it's close to the water. And my sister was living next door yes. and I was so excited by that. Yeah. But this neighborhood is a great neighborhood, but maybe not the most lively neighborhood. It gets very quiet at night. There aren't as many kind of bars, restaurants, fun activities to do in the evening. Um, it comes alive more frequently, I think, on the weekends, yep. Jacqueline and Square. Yep. And where I ended up, which I guess is Uptown or Kono, Korea, Northgate area. Yes. It's much more lively in the in, during the day, during the week, in the evening, sometimes maybe too lively for some people. Right. Um, it's right in the middle of First Fridays, which is a big festival in Oakland on the first Friday of the month through the non-rainy months. Right, yeah. And, you know, I think for me, I was less concerned about the building uh, amenities, such as the, the, the doorman and the 24-hour security and the pool. I was more interested in it's some of the other things, like whether my sister lived nearby or what the neighborhood was like, and also the unit itself. And when I saw the unit itself at the other building, while maybe the building isn't as special as the Ellington, the unit is fantastic. It is special. It's very special. It's a great unit. So, and it was larger. Larger, way more light, sun. facing the right direction, the sun, yeah. the view of the downtown skyline. Uh, very, it's a very beautiful view. And when it's beautiful outside, it, it really makes it a very pleasant place to be. Mm, nice. So it, it is, but it is quite interesting how, how the path, if you just follow your gut, sometimes will take you just to the right place. And, and seriously, like as different as night and day. Okay, so little backstory that I know about you is you had purchased property before. Um, so this even before your previous life and your previous residential home. In, in um, recent years, yes. In other states. Yes. I own three properties in New Orleans. Just wild. Uh, wild. Okay. How did that happen? How did that happen? I, uh, I've been going to New Orleans for years, ever since I graduated from college, and I've always loved the city. But it was a place to visit, but maybe held more of, more of a special place for me than other places I've gone on vacation. And then a very close friend of mine from the Bay Area moved to, to New Orleans, and I started visiting a lot more frequently. Okay. And... With the visits, I became friendly with her friends, and one is a real estate broker, much like you. Mm -hmm. uh, she's very a, a wonderful, powerful, intelligent woman who has a real command of the market in New Orleans. And I told her I was, I thought maybe I should buy a place down here. It's a lot cheaper than the Bay Area, and it seemed like an investment, more than to live down there, but just 
an investment for the future. Maybe I'd like to move to New Orleans someday. I bought one house. The prices are don't the, the market doesn't compare. It's a different yeah. market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I bought another house. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had three houses and, and six total just, units. This became just a passive income situation yep. for you almost immediately. Right? Immediately, because the first house, uh, every and every house, su successive house, I've been able to rent for more than uh, the taxes, insurance, and mortgage put together. That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. And I, I wanted um, our listeners to have that context to know, like, yes, you bought a home in 24 hours, but you definitely have taken on the risk of real estate, jumped forth, and had very good consequences. So there's a certain amount of gut check you have that uh, propels you forward without a doubt. Absolutely. And the, one of the big differences is that the Bay Area market is a very successful market. It's a growing market. Even in times when the economy has gone down, the, I guess the Great Recession, 2006, 7, 8, 9, it seems like real estate didn't go down that much. It may be stabilized. I don't know. Maybe they're, I'm not as well-versed in the numbers, right. but, but housing prices didn't decrease enough for a lot of people to you know, people who may have been excluded before to jump in that much. And rental, rent, rental rates didn't go down very much during that time as a renter. So I thought, well, if I'm buying in Oakland, I have a much better opportunity than even buying in New Orleans where there's flooding, the economy isn't so great. There's all sorts of other factors going on in the New Orleans economy. It's way different from the Bay Area. Right. It's more of a risk down there, quite frankly. So sure. I had confidence that even though I'm diving in, you know, this, this could work out in a number of ways, even if I don't end up living here permanently. Yeah, no, and I think, um, I think you made a great choice and it, it will be resilient, this home, through, through the ebbs and flows that, that, you know, we should all expect that to happen in, in two decades or what have you. But um, I think you're, you, you are in an amazing place, actually. Um, tell me this, so you said you, um, I mean, you basically found that home on your own. I, yep. I, as your realtor, was a vehicle for actually being able to purchase it, but yep. you found it on your own and you made a lot of decisions um, without anyone really being involved in that, I'm assuming. Family, friends? Family, girlfriend, pretty much. That's, that's, that's the whole circle. Yep. It's funny because as I was looking at comps, both my sister... Yeah. And my girlfriend had sent me a link to that at separate that property at separate times. It was just wide yes. enough in the circle looking at comps on Redfin or I don't know Realtor.com, Realtor app, whichever one I was using. Yeah, uh, it it'd come up enough because the price was around the same, and now it went for a, a lot over asking, and I think it was underpriced. I mean, yes. that was their strategy. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah. it 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 seemed like well, it was more space. Um, it was a slightly, definitely a different neighborhood, but not really that far away. But not that far away. No, I, I mean, mean, it's 10, 10 minutes tops, you know? One could walk from one property to the other. It's, it'll Easily. It'll take um, 45 minutes or not, something. Yeah, like a half hour. Okay. Yeah, it's really close. Yeah. So, but I, I, I mean, that was it. And seeing it, it did stand out more than the others. One of the reasons is, which is different than uh, the Ellington, is that it has a tremendous roof deck. 
mm-hmm. which we, we saw together right. for the first right. time. It is a true. No one would know that driving by that property. Nope. No one would know because it's kind of an obscure little property, really. It is. Um, across from a strip mall with various. Um, it's across from one of the largest Korean supermarkets in the Oakland area. And, it's, and if you're Korean, you, everyone knows about the supermarket. So yeah. it's a very popular supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, I mean, there are some properties in that area that are maybe empty and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of construction going on. There's a property opening up at, I think it's 26 in Telegraph. There's construction on the corner of West Grand and Telegraph. So there's a lot happening over there. There is. And actually, a lot of the developers are focused on that area in terms of um, doing some high-rise residential apartments, doing some commercial buildings. There's, there's a the, lot. The, Kaiser headquarters, the new Kaiser headquarters is supposed yeah. to open up if it happens. If that happens, it had, it'll be like four blocks away. Isn't that amazing? It's going to be huge. Yeah, it truly, truly will. So, okay. So, backing up to the tools that you use to find that. So... Basically, your phone. Yep. I mean, anything else in terms of um, shows, programs, ads, books? Well, I'm in the I'm in the advertising industry, and one of the things that happens is you get retargeted or remarketed. These are terms meaning that you've t- you've had a touch point with a particular piece of media. They know you're looking because mm-hmm. you're pixeled or tracked somehow and then they retarget you with the ad so while I was looking I was getting a lot of ads for prop not maybe not properties but uh, for the real estate websites Um, and I was getting push notifications from the apps that say hey here's another property that you're looking that you might be interested in here's another property you might be interested in so there's that. And the other thing that I did actually was drive around Oakland quite a bit yep. with my, in, my, in my car with my sister and her husband. We just dro- kind of drove around. I'd spent a decent amount of time in Oakland, but never really looked from the perspective of as a buyer. Like I'm going to live here. Where I'm going to live where here. Am what, shop? Where am I going to shop? Yeah. Exactly. Where's Walgreens, you know, not yeah. to give a plug, but like, where am I going to get my toothpaste? You know, it's things, questions but, like but that. Those are important things. Yep. How are you going to live here? How are you going to live in this neighborhood? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and the neighborhood that I ended up in is it feels, I like cities. I like living in cities mm-hmm. and I, and a lot of Oakland and Berkeley and the East Bay feels very suburban. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I can appreciate the benefits of having a, a detached single family home with a yard, but at this point in my life, I'm just not interested in that. So yeah, I, uh, I, I wanted to be urban and this, this house is in an, this building is in an, an urban part of the city. Very, very, everything's easy. right there. Everything's right Bus there. Line, bars, yep. grocery, restaurants galore, bars, it's music venues. Yeah. Yep. For the music guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, pretty big. But interesting enough, when you're in your condominium, I feel like it, it, it feels very tranquil. And I don't know if it's the sun, the little bench seat that's in the window. It, yep. just, it does have a very homey, tranquil feeling. Yeah, and if I shut the windows, there are good windows in this building, and if I shut them, it's, it's quiet. But on the other hand, like... During first Fridays, it's right in front of my building. If I leave the windows open, I don't mind street noise. It doesn't bother me. So I like having the windows open. I yeah. feel like I can feel like I'm in a city. Well, that's you feel like you're a part of the energy, right? Yep. Yeah. 
But if you need to shut off that energy, you can. I can easily shut it off. And if I come home from work, it's usually kind of quieter in the neighborhood. And it does the the way the sun hits the windows. It's very peaceful in, in, in the building, in that unit especially. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm so, it's always delightful to hear, especially when somebody makes quick decisions. Although I could see that you were thinking very fast and you had a lot of resources and you did your homework on everything. But to see that this worked, it does, it all worked just as well as, as you thought it would. It sounds like. Any surprises? No, no surprises. Uh, well, I was ho- I, it wasn't 100% clear whether there was storage in the building. Yeah. And there's not. It's okay. It's not like that's not a make or break thing for me. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise. But there really are no surprises. I'm extremely happy. Um, I do think I got one of the better units in the building. And so that's kind of interesting. I, I don't know as much about the rest of the building, like other people's units. Right. But I'm, I'm very happy. I don't have any regrets. But I also look at real estate. I think a lot of people who are buying really think about, oh, this is the place I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And sometimes that is your purchase. But I didn't think of that purchase this way. I said, am I going to be happy here for the next several years? And that was, that's enough for me. And I, so my, maybe I'm not as putting as much weight, emotional weight on my happiness as maybe some people might. So for me, I'm, I'm happy right now. I'm super excited about it, but where life takes me in, you know, five to seven years, maybe I'll be living in New Orleans and renting this place out or I'll sold it for another investment property or who knows, or I'll keep it somehow. I don't, I don't know what the future holds. I love that you're, I love that you have thought about that. And I think it opens a huge question about how people make decisions with homes because more and more I see, um, individuals, couples, getting really locked up, kind of that analysis paralysis yes. about purchasing a home because they have made it such a ginormous deal, emotional deal, mm-hmm. which it is emotional. I mean, home represents a lot of uh, very emotional things, you know, safety, security, family, um, escape, a, a lot of things like that. But the reality is, and it's kind of this whole trend right now of space clearing, of getting rid of things, becoming minimalists, and getting rid of some of that junk that is just um, just really kind of suffocating our minds because we're putting so much focus in getting just right. exactly the right home that we can live in for the next 25 years and the reality is everybody everybody in the bay area is moving every three to six years i mean i have never gotten a fixed rate mortgage because i feel that i will always move or refinance within seven years and you know that's funny because you know what i got and you know what i got did you get a fixed rate i did not get a fixed rate mortgage i also got a seven one arm the interest rate was better. And I said, well, who knows where I'm going to be in seven years. I might want to sell this unit and move to New Orleans, or I might want to move to a house with my girlfriend, or I might, who knows what I'm going to want in seven years. Maybe the interest rates go down. I mean, you never know. The economy and may in not. And they have. And they have gone down. Since you bought. 
Yeah. They have? Oh, maybe I should refinance. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe, I should, maybe I should refinance. What's the next show? Uh, <laughs> yes. It's, it's, I think that the biggest hurdle, I think, of buying in the Bay Area is the financial hurdle. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. So, and I can talk a little bit about that, but yep. I think for people, if you can get over the financial hurdle, maybe you shouldn't put so much investment in whether this is the very perfect house emotionally, because you can make it a perfect house. You can, um, even without spending a lot of money by how you decorate, how you treat each room, how, what kind of stuff you put in there, how you spend time there, what you do with your backyard, which a lot of it could be sweat equity as opposed to dollars. So, you know... I think people do get hung up emotionally on getting the right home. It's really, can you do it financially? That's the biggest, um, the biggest roadblock I think mm -hmm. in the Bay area. And, and so what does that mean to you? Can you do it financially? Does that just mean, can I qualify for a loan or does it mean, can I, can I make the monthly nut? Yeah. You know, okay. can you make the monthly nut and do you have enough backup if you can't, if you lose your job? You know, do you have some savings? So if you can find a way to get the down payment and, and I'm a believer, and I know this might not be wise according to some financial people, but I'm a believer in making your monthly nut as low as possible, which means maybe putting more money up front. A financial planner might say, you know, you know, you want to keep your money and invest it yourself because you're going to make more in the market than you would, um, paying interest. Right. And and I don't want to, I'm not a financial planner, so I don't, I don't know right. all this stuff very well, but like you, you want to hold on to your money so you can invest it how you choose as opposed to giving it to a bank and then charging you interest right. for, you know, and, um, so I, I feel like, but I feel like I want to make it affordable for myself and, uh, and be able to hit that monthly nut and not be cash poor. Right. So that's kind of my philosophy. And if I have a little extra income coming in from other properties, then that makes it a little easier to afford. Yep. Yep. And having a little mad money, knowing you'll have a little mad money yep. on the side. You can still buy shoes and go to concerts and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. You don't want to, I mean, some people are willing because they want to get that home and they're, they have to sacrifice some of the other, the mad money, things yep. they love to do, the travel, the dinners out. You know, I, I've certainly made some sacrifices, but not nearly as much as, as, as others maybe. And then once the tax returns are settled, we are still getting great benefits. And then maybe you can go on your trip and buy your shoes. Exactly. Go on your concerts. <laughs> okay. So what, what was the biggest challenge in buying your place? Oh gosh. You know, I think the biggest challenge was dealing with two partners that I did not choose. So I chose you, Kim. As my realtor, okay, <laughs> you were my partner that I chose, but I did not choose my bank and I did not choose my title company. The title company was set by the seller oh. and I was not happy with their service. So that was a challenge for me. Okay. I would have, uh, well, it doesn't matter who I would have chose, but I, yeah, I would have yeah. actually, so I have a friend who's a real estate uh, agent in the city, works for Compass. Yeah. And he said, oh, you should use X company. And right. you said the same thing. You should use X company. It's funny. Yeah. Maybe they have the best reputation in the Bay Area. Should um, I say who I was, who it was? Is yeah, it okay to say? I'm fine with that. Uh, Old Republic. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Right. So my friend, and I'll give him a little plug, KJ Kohlmeyer said, use Old Republic. And you said, use Old Republic. And uh, that's who I wanted to use. And Instead, I was using First American Title because that's who the seller was using, yep. and that's what they insisted. So 
I wasn't crazy about them. I thought they kind of dragged their heels. They didn't provide information. Clearly, they were sometimes hard to get in touch with. They didn't communicate well with the mortgage company as well as I would have liked. Um, and then the mortgage company, I was using Morgan Stanley because I did get some assistance from my mom and she wanted me to use Morgan Stanley and I did. I would have, they're not a, they're a typical investment bank. I don't yeah. think they do a lot of mortgages. I don't yeah. think they're good at it. Um, I did get a great rate, so I'm thankful for that. But yeah. I found that I was more prepared than them. Because I purchased other homes and I actually purchased one in 2018, yeah. I had a lot of paperwork prepared. I know what to do. I'm also just a kind and of you're a fast. I'm fast. <laughs> I'm a project, I'm a project manager type role at work. I'm organized. Right. So I'm like, here are all my financial documents. What else do you need? And they just couldn't, they weren't as reactive as I was. And the 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 timing of this purchase was a little weird because I had some a medical procedure that I had to get done. Yeah. Uh, and that's when the closing was happening. And so you were very aggressive and I thank you for it in kind of pushing them to say, hey, does this really need to be 30 days? Because right, right. Morgan Stanley was like, I think, you know, typically we're 30, 35 days. And I'm like, do you know the Bay Area? People close in 10 days here. People close in a week, you know, and I could do that. Right. You know, and they just weren't prepared to do that. But they did. They did. Once you pushed them and I pushed them, I think we did close in like 28 days, which was good. It took a lot of pushing and you were you were diligent. I was. Yeah, very yeah. diligent. I, I mean, that is a point that um, I would I would reiterate over and over again that um, using a local banker uh, or you know mortgage banker banker is such a key thing they understand the market they um, they have to look at you in the eye when you're working with a big institution that's in Philadelphia DC I can't remember where in Texas was, Texas big giant place in Texas there's yeah. a whole different way of thinking out there we um, <laughs> we um, you know they they're hiding behind that phone a bit um, or behind the the voicemails and and emails and it um, it really can create a lot of stress for yourself for the appraiser for real estate agent for everyone. So, I I, yeah. I want I can give a for instance with that because but dang you got a good rate. I did get a good rate. I did get a really I did get a really good rate. Um, one of, for instance one of the the things is that um, they. When we, I had a, I had a, a pre-approval letter, but I didn't have the pre-approval letter in the right amount when we decided to kind of up our bid a little bit to get the property. And that and, was kind of a, uh, that, and, and you, we had some strategy. We had some strategy. So you, you prepared the package very quickly. I mean, I looked at the place at four o'clock on a Monday and it was due by noon on Tuesday. That's very quick. I mean, it's amazing how, how quickly you work. I'm not just blowing smoke here. I'm, I, I mean, I'm really, it's a very impressive, but I reached out to Morgan Stanley right away. I reached out to my two, I had two contacts or three different contacts. Yeah. And I said, I need a pre, new pre-approval letter. You got to get it to me. This is the amount I need. This is it. Just like this letter you've already given me. Yeah. It's just this much higher. Can you do this? And how quickly can you get it to me? And I was kind of stuck behind their email system and their voicemail system. I didn't have a cell phone number. Whereas if I had worked with someone locally, I'm sure I would have had a cell phone number. I could have texted, called, whatever. And I just felt they, they eventually got it, but it caused a lot of undue stress. And there were other points during the transaction where I was trying to communicate with them about odd paperwork they needed or odd things. They, they didn't understand my insurance company. 
billed me monthly for homeowner's insurance. They wanted to see that I made the purchase for homeowner's insurance upfront. And I already had my homeowner's insurance was going to be bundled with my car insurance at my insurance company that I've had for, I don't know, 25, 30 years or more. The same insurance company, they just didn't understand that. They needed to have the thing at the right moment and the right, you know, they just, it it was, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it was a challenge. Very interesting point. And you as a project manager totally understand this, but the lender, lender, I think more than anyone, they manage by filling in the boxes, right? And Mm -hmm. so here are the boxes that are required for a Fannie Mae loan. And, if it doesn't check that exact box the way that it always has, then it gets um, pushed out of the system and it becomes an exception. And the challenge with that, we understand that and we appreciate that, right? As, as a project manager, I mean, you know somebody's being thorough and right. going through and checking all the boxes. I mean, I wish that I wish that all my agents would check all the boxes when they do an open house, right? <laughs> like turn the right. lights off <laughs> and make sure to turn the sign on. You get, I mean, all those things. But um, the challenge I think with lending right now is that they haven't changed the boxes. <laughs> it's right. kind of like the city dealing with them. Um, in that like insurance doesn't have to be paid all on an annual basis anymore and it might be lumped in with your uh, your other portfolio properties or assets right i mean this insurance we're talking about a 540 dollars or something like yeah. that As a matter of fact they might have had the wrong amount so i think it was like 400 dollars. Yeah. we're talking about 400 bucks you're going to hold up this whole process this whole for, for four- five hundred thousand dollars over this $500. Yeah. Thing. I know. It's, it's, cuckoo. It's, it's, cuckoo. it's cuckoo. Yeah. And then there were, they had a, they had paperwork that they needed from the, there was a whole situation where I think it was, was it the title company or the mortgage company needed paperwork from the condo association? And you know, I, I just couldn't understand why they couldn't figure this out and why people didn't talk to each other. And in my role, at, at, a, at, a, at a regular company, I guess, yeah. uh, or not a mortgage bank, is I would have gotten on a conference call with all the parties and said, I would have scheduled a conference call and then said, okay, what do you need? Who's going to solve this? And But it's one of the funny things about buying a home. You can't treat it like a business meeting. That's right. And, and I think that's one of the things I found frustrating is that you can't treat it. I, I, I can't have this. I don't have the same expectations I would have from uh, my, my partners in, in work. It's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. Well, but can you, you know? And I think that's where we should be pushing the envelope and right. treating it like a business meeting. I had a, um, I worked for a very funny man, a uh, very funny, very uh, 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 results-oriented uh, person. And uh, this was back in my home building days. And he would always say, okay, let's get all the liars in one room. Whenever there was a catastrophe, yep. right, on the escrow side or what have you. And really, that's it. Like, let's get all the liars in one room right now. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah, the title company kind of messed up on one of their things to get the, the information from the from the uh, HOA association for the building. And yeah. because they messed that up, we had to expedite something. And I paid for something. Then they credited me. And then I had to pay for it again. It was really messy. And I think... 
One of the things that could be improved in the real estate process is you get on a conference call, even if it's for an hour or an hour and a half, even though that sounds like a lot, it's not. You get in with your mortgage broker, your title company, your, your real estate broker, and you know, you, uh, all, the, all the people, even if you can get the HOA involved, every party, and you have a list. What are you going to be responsible for? What data are you going to hit? What are you going to be responsible for? What data are you going to hit? And you hold people accountable. Yeah. Um, and you have like a kind of a project manager and maybe it's like an independent person who doesn't work for any of the parties involved. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I would kind of refocus real estate transactions. Yeah, I like this idea. Kind of a team, just a, a team meeting to launch a project. A team, right? team, it's a team meeting to launch a project. You have an independent project manager who's not beholden to any one party and that person... So they're independent and you have the, you know, the selling, the buying, all the parties involved. And that person is responsible for making sure everyone hits their dates within a deadline that's everyone can agree to. Yeah. And then we incentivize these people. Yes, somehow. <laughs> incentivize. Well, that would be, that would be the reason to get it done. Well, the incentive is all there though, because people get paid. Everyone's getting paid. Yeah, I guess they get, get paid either paid way. Pride and customer satisfaction yep. and referral business. And that's um, really, that's the name of the game. I mean, you talk about the title company. I got referred to the same title company by two people. I did not get referred to First American Title, (laughs) you know? Okay, they will not be a sponsor of today's show. Sorry, I apologize. (laughs) No, it's true. I like your project management approach to this, though. I I truly do. I think um, I'm going to keep pursuing that. I I, I like it. Um, Okay, well, we... We could talk about so many different things, John. You're so much fun to be with, so much fun to be on the show. Um, And so we should um, wrap this up with something fun, maybe about your neighborhood. Because you are enjoying your neighborhood, right? I'm enjoying it a lot. And you've talked a lot about it. So tell us like your top five things in your neighborhood. I will. I have have a pretty good top five. Yeah, well, I... You can go to ten. But well, I'll name just a few things. Let's okay. see where we, how many we get to. Just this past Saturday night, I went to Gogi Town, which is a Korean restaurant. Okay. I assume named after bulgogi, which is a Korean dish. Um, and Gogi Time. And where is that? That's on it's Telegraph? On, it's on Telegraph, I think, between 26th and 27th. There's a little shopping plaza. There's another restaurant and maybe another kind of a, I'm not sure, another business in there. Yeah. And it's, it's a fantastic Korean restaurant. If you're a vegetarian, I may not recommend it because there are grills on every table and the place smells like meat. It's delicious. Uh, it was it was packed, but they found a way to fit us in because it's huge. Yeah. And uh, I, I really recommend it if you like Korean food. I'm a big fan of the, I think it's called the Telegraph Beer Room or... There's a big sign on front that says Beery Land, and it's right, you may have seen it, yeah. it's right at 24th and Telegraph. Now, 24th is kind of doesn't go straight through Telegraph. It kind of angles off. So it's between 23rd and 24th on Telegraph. And it has an outdoor uh, beer patio. It's a little bit like the Zeitgeist in San Francisco, but in Oakland. But it has better food, a more diverse menu, lots of vegetarian and vegan options. It's got food for everyone, the meat lover, the the vegan. And they have a full bar and they have a, a slushy machine or multiple okay, slushy machines. How can you pass up a slushy? I know machine? they have like they have like frosé on a slushy. They have like a different a pina colada slushy. But it is a much very much like a biker kind of hipster 
zeitgeist type of bar. Oh. So it's very interesting that it kind of combines these weird elements and it's, it's a great venue. Um, I also like the KP market, which is the Korean supermarket across the street. Highly recommended. It's beautiful inside. They've done a really nice job. It's very industrial. It's got a concrete floor and the lighting is not too harsh. And there's, they have their American food aisle. They kind of have an American food aisle with like chips and cookies and other normal. Everything has like well, sugar, I don't want to say, sugar and cholesterol. Yeah. And I don't want to say normal, but more typical for uh, uh, someone um, growing up in the United States. Yeah who is used to American quote unquote food. Yeah. Uh, but then there's all these Korean delights and it's a great supermarket. Um, cool. Yeah. So those are just three and, places. And like produce and produce. Uh, yeah. Produce everything they have. It's a full market. They have fish counter. They have a butcher. They wow. have everything. See, and who, I didn't even know that was there. No, the one thing that actually they don't have is they don't carry a lot of bread because there isn't a lot of bread in Korean cuisine. Okay. They have a little bread counter where you have to pay separately and they have a very small selection of bread at oh, the bread counter. That's cute. So it's very, that's very odd, but yeah. um, they have taken, you know, they have a grab and go food as well. So you can get kimchi or other, other things to grab and go. Um, that is fantastic. And you are a music guy and I, I learned a lot more about John before um, we got uh, we got on the air, if you will, today, and um, anyway, fascinating music, comedy, really. Uh, it sounds like almost any of the arts. You're pretty diving in, so you're in the hub of art galleries for sure. I am, and music venues. Is there a particular music venue that just rocks? well? I'm very close to the Fox, yeah. which is one of the bigger ones, but one of the best music venues in the Bay Area, if not in the country. It's, fa it's fantastic. The venue is beautiful. Uh, I'm very close. We're close to the Paramount. On a smaller scale, I'm really close to a bar called Legionnaire, which uh, has DJ nights and also has a music room upstairs where they have live bands. It's a smaller venue for the live bands upstairs, but it's a terrific room. Cool. They do soul bands there, which is great. And the Starline Social Club, which is a music venue that's on the corner of uh, I want to West Grand, West Grand and Northgate maybe. Yeah, that sounds no, about right. not Northgate. It's one more block over, but it's right near the freeway. Maybe Brush or um, yes, yeah. It's a terrific venue. Yeah. Uh, they and they book a very wide variety of music, and that's like for one of your smaller clubs. Although they can get a pretty good size in there, but. It's a, it's a great venue. That is so cool. You really are in the hub of it. And I mean, Oakland's kind of in the hub of it right now. I'm, I'm so excited. So excited about that. Um, I have really enjoyed having you on the show. It's been a pleasure to be here. Bye. Thank you, John Fast. And um, until next time. Until next time. Today's show was sponsored by Minimo. Minimo is Jack London's independent, woman-owned wine shop and wine bar, specializing in small production, natural wines, and ciders. This hits home for my heart. More than a wine shop, Minimo is a gathering spot, offering a unique selection of natural wines by the glass, with focused wine tastings every Wednesday evening and all day on Saturday. If you haven't been to Minimo, you are missing something special. Erin and her team are extremely knowledgeable, approachable, and can magically pick you the perfect bottle. Thanks for listening today, and please check us out on Real 510 on iTunes. To find out even more, visit our website, kimcolerealestate.com. 
We're a boutique real estate brokerage, women-owned and team-enacted with a focus on urban luxury housing. We are located in Oakland's Jack London Square, serving Oakland and the greater Bay Area.